what happens when a black guy, a white dude, and an Hispanic man happen to be pro wrestling marks? You get debates, roasting, and fun in Jeet Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Marks of All Ages to Breaking Ring Rust. I am your host, Rocket Mr. Magic. My tag team partner, JT, is on the shelf, or maybe it's softball season, but he is out of commission. The surgery he had was successful, so all of you who shared your thoughts, your well wishes, your prayers for him, we really appreciate that. He's actually recovering a little faster and feeling a little better than he expected he would be so soon. Uh, so please continue to, to lift him up, and we can't wait to have him back on the show. But filling in for him is his good friend and my new friend, our recurring guest, who has bestowed upon us his handle, his gimmick, the franchise, Matt Privet. Matt, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Uh, and I'm sure that he would not appreciate the reference to softball season with Sid Vicious. So why don't we just say that his horse is sick and that can, we can, he can be <laughs> Okay, his, his horse is sick. That, that's, uh, that's what's going on with JT. His horse got a little sick. Had to take care of it. So tonight we have uh, a nice show here for you. We're going to cover some of the moving and shaking that's going on in the WWE. Uh, a superstar return who cut a beautiful yet vicious promo. And we're going to tackle an interesting topic uh, in the WWE Hall of Fame and what we think it potentially could or should look like. So to start, we're going to go right into the superstar shakeup. Raw has acquired the following talent, which some of it was kind of obvious. We have AJ Styles back on Raw for the first time in about two years. The Miz, Ricochet, and Aleister Black now officially are Raw superstars. We have Eric and Ivar, which if you don't know who those are, they are the renamed War Raiders who are now the Viking Experience. <laughs> Andrade and Zarina Vega make their official switch to the red brand. Rey Mysterio back on Raw. Jimmy and Jay Uso, Us, Us on Raw for the first time, also I think in about two years. Never to be left behind is Jimmy Uso's wife, Naomi. EC3 also makes an official brand connection, which who knows what's going to happen with that. Poor EC, has been dumped on a bit. Lacey Evans is officially brand Raw. Eric Young, who should change his name because Eric's no longer young. Right. And last but not least, one of my favorite cruiserweights, Cedric Alexander, all on the red brand. And then last night we had 
the blue brand get their people. Uh, the biggest non-surprise of all of them, Roman Reigns is now on SmackDown Live. The Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor, Elias, Bailey, Ember Moon, Kyrie Sane, Lars Sullivan, Buddy Murphy, Liv Morgan, Chad Gable, Apollo Cruz, which is surprising because I thought they took the Cruz away, but now I guess they gave him his name back. He goes back and forth with him, doesn't he? <laughs> Can't decide what they're going to do. Uh, Mickey James, and lastly, Otis and Tucker. And if you don't recognize their names individually, they are the tag team known as Heavy Machinery. So, before we go too deep, I just have to say something about the tag team divisions in the WWE. I, I, I've always been a huge tag team wrestling fan. Uh, I've marked out for tag teams. Most of my favorite wrestlers I fell in love with because they were part of a tag team. But AOP, the Viking experience now, which I don't know what was wrong with War Raiders, and Heavy Machinery are all big, massive, wide-bodied teams. That's a lot of really big dudes who pretty much have the same gimmick in different clothes. And maybe I'm just alone. You're not wrong about that. Like, I, I just I don't understand where they're going with this. Like, I, you knew you couldn't have the Raiders and Heavy Machinery on the same brands because they're the same thing in different clothes. They look the same. Yeah, well, I don't know. They they do. You're definitely right about different uh, or, uh, similar body types, similar. I think the Viking experience have some staying power. I am not convinced at all by heavy machinery. I think they got a little bit of comedy in them, but I don't think it's very good comedy. I don't know that they'll have staying power. And I think they, within the next 12 months, will probably have different names and be singles. But that's... I, I, I agree uh, that. That makes um, a lot of sense. Viking experience. Um, if you saw TakeOver in uh, New York the two nights before WrestleMania... Amazing. They were very impressive to me against Ricochet and Aleister Black. I thought they were the two best performers in the ring that night in that match. And I... I know a lot of people are big Aleister Black fans and a lot of people are big Ricochet fans. But to me, just watching the four of them, I really liked what I saw out of them. And, you know, got to put the caveat out there. If they're used correctly, they could find a lot of success in uh, the main roster. I concur completely. Um, the I can't believe I have to keep calling them the Viking experience. It's ridiculous. But uh, they are a fantastic team. And they, I do agree, they have a lot yeah. of state power. They work extremely well. And for as big as they are, they can work uh, multiple styles. Uh, yes. Very agile for their size. Uh, they work a good power game. Got great tag team uh, chemistry. Love watching those two. Uh, heavy Machinery, they are fortunately stuck with the common gimmick. But I think that's because you already have one super serious uh, downgraded shield team. Granted, you know, uh, I think Razor is the one that, or Aku is the one that's hurt that has them on the shelf, but 
you already have one team that's serious, and now you have this other team that's serious, but they're Vikings, so they're just Viking serious. So what do you do with these other guys? Okay, you have to make them funny because what else do you do with big guys who, who lift a lot? Yeah. Um, Wouldn't surprise me at all if once they're both healthy um, that they show up on SmackDown just out of blue. Um, AOP? AOP, yeah. I, I think that um, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if just poof, here they are on SmackDown. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they, they would be a contrast to heavy machinery as far as uh, the seriousness with which you're supposed to take them in the ring. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. But that's yeah. what I would do. That makes the most sense because you've got to have a, a straight man to the goofy. Um, and with, you know, I think Otis is the one that's doing uh, the worm, which I think they're calling the caterpillar. Like, like there's a big difference. Like it's, it's all, it's all funny goofiness. And I, but the thing is I like watching, like they're, they're, they're not bad in the ring. They're good. Uh, I just don't think their gimmick is going to last because they started out as, hey, we're, we're big guys. We like to we like to lift. We lift heavy. We eat heavy. And now it's, hey, look, I'm big and I can do the worm. Right. Yeah. Again, that, that won't – people will laugh at that the first time. They might laugh at it the second time. But you're going to see less and less response to that over time unless they can prove in the ring that they have what it takes to – compete and i have not been convinced by that yet so nor have i talent went out one way or the other there but what's really surprising to me is when we're talking <laughs> about working and the talent are the broken teams that we have due to this shakeup notably gable and rude two great workers who were looking at yeah Gable going yeah, back. I'm 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 a little dumbfounded. I'm a little dumbfounded by that move because in the past couple of weeks you've had them get on the mic and talk about how they've got a new attitude and that when they're on their game, you know, you better take them seriously. And then they've lost the match after they've said all that. Right. And then all of a sudden Chad Gable is now on SmackDown. Maybe that's for the best, especially for Gable, because he's got loads of potential. I don't know that he has it. Right. But um, I do think he probably works best in a tag team. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one who wishes they never would have split up American Alpha. But yeah, um, well, I don't know if that, if that was going to actually happen between Jason's health problems. I think a split was going to happen regardless. It, it could have been. I'm just, uh, I, he's got potential. I know that I, I, I think Bobby Roode's great, but I, I think he's probably reached his ceiling on the main roster in WWE. You think um, so? He was a great in it. I think so. I, you know, I, and that's not me hating on him. That's just what I think is going to happen. Um, he he's not old, but he's an older guy as far as the roster goes. Mm-hmm. And he's proven himself as an NXT champion, which I thought he was a great NXT champion. I concur. I thought he was great in that role. Um, his theme song is I, I'm, oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But it's played out now. And so I, he's probably reached his ceiling in, in WWE. And 
I, I hope that we get to keep keep to see him, but I wouldn't be surprised if in three to six months we hear him asking for his release if he thinks he can make money elsewhere. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, that would be tough. I think uh, you got you make a great point. I, I hope Bobby. I know I know Bobby's better as a to me he's better as a single at least WWE standards. Um, obviously, he has magic yes. with tag teams. Him and Storm were magic as a tag team, but I definitely think he is a single talent. Uh, and I don't think his IC um, title reign was, um, was long enough. I think they really should have given him more time to establish himself as a champion. Um, but Gable, to me, this is probably Gable's best shot. And I, I said this from the door when they did the whole Kurt Angle son gimmick, it should have been Chad Gable. That was Kurt's son and not Jason Jordan. Uh, Gable Small, like Kurt, he's not that Jordan wasn't a talented amateur wrestler himself, but Gable, that was his hype is all about his grappling and his ground game. It would make sense if Kurt's not going anywhere as far as being on television to have Kurt be Gable's Gable's guy, Gable's manager, his advocate, whatever try to help put some of the rub uh, on Gable, try to help get him over as a single wrestler. He's obviously never going to be champion. He's too small. He can't work the stick, but he could get over as 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 an upper mid-car guy, a good U.S. champion, good small singles champion, have a couple good runs. uh, Because in ring, he is just phenomenal. He needs to be given a chance to really flourish in what he can do in the ring. Um, Maybe that is as a single. Uh, maybe maybe you put him in there against a big guy and let him wow the crowd with how he can suplex with this with all the strength he has in that small frame. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like skinny. Tight. Other than that, I think it's he's got to, right. Other than that, I think he's bound for another tag team eventually, and whether or not it works out there remains to be seen. But. I'm hopeful that he's got better things ahead, but I don't have confidence in it at all. Um, WWE hasn't proven they can take some of these NXT people who get over there and really capitalize on them. Uh, I think it's fair to say there have been more misses than hits at this point. Significant. And, um, yeah. yeah, so we'll see. Well, so breaking up another team, Liv Morgan on SmackDown, breaking up my favorite female uh, stable in the riot squad. What do you think about them putting Liv by herself? Cause I just feel that if you're going to split off someone from the riot squad, it should have been Sarah more Sarah Logan. I think she's more ready than Liv is. And I think you may end up seeing Sarah Logan uh, split off eventually. I don't know how, much staying power the riot squad has left. They seem to have become fodder for the big, the big guys, the big girls, you know, rather it be Ronda Rousey or Becky Lynch, or it always seems like one of them is taking on Charlotte or Becky on raw or SmackDown, or even at, uh, well, I guess it was what fast lane, uh, before WrestleMania. So you may see that. I don't know how, how much longer the riot squad is actually a thing, so I think it's pre- premature to wonder if it should have been her or or Liv Morgan. Um, I, it was probably time for a change. 
one way or another. So um, hopefully it works out for the best. Indeed. Then we have some other interesting moves with uh, the women's division between with Bailey, you know, a former champion coming over. The best uh, thing that could have happened to her. The best thing that could have happened to her. And, and, and explain why. Is it getting away from Sasha Banks? Absolutely. And that's even if Sasha Banks stays with WWE, which if I was them, I would cut her loose yesterday. But um, especially if some of the things that we've read on her behavior, and I know Bailey was a part of that. If, 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 but anyway, I, I think that's the best thing for Bailey. I think Bailey still has. I don't think Bailey's the best in the ring, but I think she still has enough of a, a potential fan following to where she can be a a child's favorite female wrestler. I know that my girls like her. Little still. girls love Bailey. You know, they, they like to smile, laugh, hug. It's it's a very fun kid level gimmick. I took an Instagram story of my girls watching her and Sasha lose at WrestleMania, and it was hilarious how they responded. They were very upset, and I just laughed my my rear end off. But um, she's got to get away from Sasha. That whole – they played around with a feud between them for forever. But they didn't commit to it. Then they're back together. Then they win the titles. Then they lose the titles. And apparently Sasha especially pitches a fit. Bailey's career is better off if she is as far away from Sasha Banks right now as she can be, because in my opinion, Sasha is toxic. And um, she also has a history of mouthing off on social media and not being not so subtle in her displeasure. So if Bailey wants a WWE career and she, she has loved this since she was a child, Oh yeah, this is, this is probably the best possible move for her. Okay, um, well, Ember Moon returning from the shelf is is great news, uh, and Kyrie Sane being called up was a surprise to me. Uh, what impact do you think they're going to have on the women's division? I think it's hard to say until we figure out what they're going to do with the titles. Um, yeah, that's a confusing aspect. Are, are, is Becky two belts going to be a thing that's that sticks around? I I so hope not. I mean, I like I, Becky, but I mean, I and I'm not as big a Becky Lynch fan as as most people seem to be right now. But um, I think people complain about too many titles, and I understand that, especially when you have these super shows where mm-hmm. there are 11 billion title matches. Yes. But if you're going to have a true brand split, I think you've got to have a women's champion for each brand. Yeah. And, and I, Becky going from show to show is Lacey Evans, who seems to be getting into a program with her, going to go from show to show. It certainly seems like they're setting that up. So, um, you know, I think Ember Moon has some potential. I have not seen enough of Kyrie saying – to give you a, a good opinion on her. Um, I, I haven't talked with her. I like Kyrie Sane. Um, I watched her in Japan. Uh, I watched her in NXT. Uh, I, I really enjoy her work. Um, I, I was my guess, and I didn't expect her call up. Um, I was thinking, especially after TakeOver, 
and the well, that was a that was a four way. Yeah, that's the four way match for the women's title. The way uh, Kyrie and Io Shirai, who are you know pretty much best friends in life, ain't on screen. The way they worked together so well because they tagged together in Japan. I figured they were going to get called up. They were going to get called up together, and they would be the second legitimate tag team in this women's tag team division because we really don't have legitimate tag teams for these tag team titles outside of the Iconics, who are the only real true tag team. Right. Um, bringing up Kyrie by herself and establishing her as a, as a singles wrestler is going to to me, mess up that potential to actually have another tag team. Then you have Ember, who we know can perform, but unfortunately has the injury concerns uh, frequently. So it, it begs the question, what are we going to do with this division when you have all these people kind of have to reestablish themselves? And like you said, there's a lack of a consistent title presence. And what are, what are, the, what are, they, what are they wrestling for if not some type of stake being the championship? Yeah, um, I think maybe being in a tag team is Ember Moon's best bet, at least for a while, because of her injury problems. She can be protected a little bit that way. And maybe if she can prove that she had, can stick around and, and not be hurt, um, maybe they can build her to better things. But uh, a, re, a, a refresh for her is a good thing. And, you know, I agree that they need stakes. So, you know, I, I was surprised when they decided they were going to do one women's world tag team titles. Um, well, they don't have the roster for, for two. With it being an evolution, I figured. I, well, I agree with that, too. Women's World Rumble and a men's World Rumble, a women's title and a men's title. Um, I don't know. Maybe they will down the line. Maybe they will down the line. I don't know. It's a well. They they would they could potentially, but when you look at the the WrestleMania match, I mean, Natalia's tag team partner is a retired you know wrestler and Best Fiends. Like you knew they weren't going over because you knew Best Fiends wasn't coming back. Like. <laughs> I knew they were they they either weren't going over or they would have won it and dropped it the next night with, with right in there, um, which would I, be a waste of the titles. Yeah, but, but I mean, Zack Ryder won the IC title a few years ago and dropped it the next night, so they're they're it's, it wouldn't be the first time they've done that. So that's true. I mean, Kane won the the, the world title and dropped it the next night himself. It's happened a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though, just last thing on the the women here for in the shakeup, could it possibly be that they want to help these women establish themselves because they're all kind of small project projects in their own rights? Um, as far as maybe reinventing Bailey, um, getting Ember some protections in breaking her ring rust, getting Kyrie established, uh, and Liv established as an individual by having the elder stateswoman and Mickey James there. Uh, I, it could be that they just want Mickey James could be working with a lot of these women just to try to help them get themselves over. Since we know, 
you know, she's kind of on her last legs they're as, a, also, as a performer. Yeah, and they're also on the same brand as the the best woman performer in the business. And True. that's Charlotte by a mile. So yeah. that's my opinion. Um, I concur. That's 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 our shared opinion. I know anyone so, that watches her can't be objective and say there's a better woman performer in the Yeah, movie. I think I think the distance between her and number two is still pretty substantial. And, oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, if they can put some of these women who they're trying to mold into more seasoned, more, more well-rounded performers, maybe they can mix them in with Charlotte here and there. And, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe make something good. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Make, some, make some lemonade out of a few lemons. All right, so let's talk about the big, uh, you know, the, the big. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in this mix-up? Because we know what Finn Balor is going to be. He's going to he's going to be Finn. Elias is going to be Elias. What will they do with Roman Reigns? Because we know Vince is probably going to somehow keep him around the title picture. I think that. Roman Reigns will probably be slaying. Which which brand did Lars Sullivan get put on? Because he's been Lars. On- Lars is also officially SmackDown Live. Okay, I think by the end of the summer you're going to have Roman Reigns uh, having slayed Lars Sullivan, maybe after two or three matches on TV or on the network. And by that point, I would expect that Kofi Kingston probably will have dropped the title back to Daniel Bryan. And then it's going to be Bryan versus Roman Reigns. That's my immediate guess. I, so I kind of hope I'm wrong. Bryan, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam? Could be. Um, could be sooner the way they like to rush these things. and But uh, I think – you you're already hearing some booze with Roman Reigns. You're, yeah, the the bloom is off the rose on the comeback. If they force feed him the title this quickly, they will. It will backfire on them as far as a crowd response. You're going to get the same kind of responses you were getting before uh, he went away with the leukemia. Yep, and they have got to keep him away from the title at least for a while. They have got to put him, if they want him to be a baby face, they've got to put him against a strong heel who is really a heel. And the only one really is, is Brian. And, and Brian is the best heel in the business right now. So, but, but, but you, you can't put him in the title picture yet. And I, I really hope they, they wait a while for that. I think the best thing for Roman would be obviously being on the separate brand away from, uh, away from the Shield brothers. Who knows what's going to happen with Dean? Whether he's going or staying for real or not, but by himself is, is what he needs. But this is his best. This is the best opportunity for them to do the right thing by Roman and turn him here. I agree. Well, I have been campaigning to my son for a couple of years now that they needed to turn him heel and. I don't know if they ever will, um, but Vince seems to be just adamant against it. Yeah. Uh, they, sh- to me, they should have turned him heel 
soon after the Usos went heel themselves and did the Uso penitentiary. Yes. That would have been a great time for him to jump on that heel bandwagon. Let him be the big dog. They protect him. They I can think, be the chicken, you know, you know, the the the, the weak running away. I and, thought that was a great idea. I I thought I thought that at the time. I thought that that would have elevated the Usos. Yes. And 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 I, it would have elevated the Usos, and I think it would it would have been great. I think they missed a chance there. And uh, they're not going to get it now because the Usos are on on Raw. On Raw, yeah. So um, they could have had a really, especially to me, and I pitched this to you know to JT. I said it will, it would make sense to just have you know reform uh, the Samoan you know the Samoan SWAT party or the you know, Samoan Gangster party. Give them give them some different name, but just reform them. Um, you know, let let Naya come and. You know, impose her will. You know, let her hit a do or two because they'll they'll let her do it because she's you know big enough, and let the Usos come out. You know, bail. And I I pitched the whole thing as far as just letting him having him turn heel by turning on the shield, letting letting the Usos come out there, and you know beat up the shield with him, and it'd be like you know what I'm sick of you know and have him cut a promo. Like I'm sick of I'm sick of you two, you you and Dean going back and forth. I've been trying to keep you together. I'm done with the both of you. All the problems we had have been the two of you. I've been trying to keep us together. Beat them both down, humiliate them by having Tamina super kick them, have uh, having Nia like splash them while they're down, and walk away. Giving him the Usos gives him a mic piece, and everyone everyone loves to hear the Usos on the mic. It's it would have been great. I think that that's a really cool idea, to, especially intermingling men and women wrestlers in a stable. We've seen stables in the past that had men and then like a, a woman manager or a woman ballet. But to right. mix in, in this this new era, to mix that would be really interesting to see. And that I had not really considered. Uh, putting the women in there with it, but that would, that's. It would have lifted all of them up. It would have, they would have, they would have skyrocketed. Yeah. I think that that, that, that's an interesting idea. Um, And maybe someday we'll see something like that, but they'll, you know. Yeah. um, That, that type of, you know, uh, outside the box booking doesn't, apparently doesn't happen in Vince's mind. Oh, they can't do that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So to the Raw brand, uh, the biggest acquisition to me, obviously, is AJ Styles. Um, what are they going to do with AJ? Is he going to go immediately to the title picture? Uh, because to me, you save Rollins and Styles for SummerSlam if you're smart. Well, immediately when I hear AJ Styles music Monday night, which, by the way, um, 16 minutes it took from Drew McIntyre to come to the ring until they rang the bell for that match. Yeah, that was insane. I don't know what that was about. Two commercial breaks. But um, when I heard AJ Styles' music, I I, I, figured, I I thought it would probably be him. And the one thing I, the one thing is Styles versus Rollins would be a heck of a match. 
Mm-hmm. And um, might be something to build toward. Maybe SummerSlam. I don't know what they have immediately in in mind, but you got to think that match is going to happen at some point, and that's going to be a lot of fun whenever it does. Yeah, it's it's, it's got to be it's going to be a blast because we it's the only match that makes sense, and in, it's in, in the shakeup. There are some other really interesting matchups that come from this shakeup. If they handle Andrade right with Zelina Vega in his corner, and that is a big if, but a Rollins-Andrade match, I think, would be a blast as well. Mm. Um, I love Andrade. Uh, Fantastic. First time I saw him was at an NXT house show, and um, he was under a a different name. Manny Andrade, I think, was his Mm. name then. And that guy is fantastic. I love watching him. I loved him as NXT champion mm-hmm. and I am seriously rooting for him. Uh, he's, I've got a list of favorites here and he's okay. number three on my list right now of the, my three favorite people to watch right now. And, um, That's well, I could add, I could add a couple more to that, but <laughs> there's another one, uh, that I'll talk about in a minute. Well, let's, let's say hypothetically, let's say they're going to save Styles and Rollins for SummerSlam because to me that makes the most sense. Do you put, and the only person I can think of right now from the shakeup that would make sense to be a figure in the title picture would be the Miz to see if they can get face Miz to be taken seriously enough as a title contender. Against face Rollins? Yeah, see, that's the problem. Yeah, and 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 you're talking about a guy who just is getting his rear end handed to him by Shane McMahon. Which, I mean, <sighs> yeah, I mean he's the one that's and and don't even get me started. I could I could keep talking about that, but harder for all the other night, and he's the one that ends up bleeding. Yeah, and I know that was probably, I know that was probably hard way and and, I, and not intentional. But it doesn't come off well. And, uh, again, I'll just take this opportunity. And I know that on my guest appearances, I've said this, I hate the idea of the best wrestlers in the world being made to look like Shane McMahon is on par with them. It ticks me off. Yeah. Shane should not I'll win any match that's it. not a hardcore match. And, and that that leaves The Miz. Like it looks like Rollins McIntyre, maybe Rollins. Um, I mean, Strowman, um, except bringing EC3 out. I mean, he just looked, but uh, yeah, McIntyre yeah, makes no sense. Um, McIntyre is ready for it. I think that he would be a, a pretty good hill champion for a while. Um, and he's overdue, he's opinion. overdue, and I don't think they're going to take the belt off of Rollins immediately. So in the meantime, what do you do? Uh, you could, you could feed Baron Corbin to Rollins. Corbin is, I know people, he has some nuclear heat with some people. I got to admit, I'm kind of enjoying this little thing, this little gimmick he's got going now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do too. Like I think it fits him. Um, he he reminds me of a downgraded version of 
the heel commissioner that uh, that Regal was playing, abusing his yes. power, getting getting abused, getting up, getting beat up a bit in the ring, um, and, he, and people are drawing, natural, drawing he has, good heat. He has a natural charisma about him. At the same house show that I saw Andrade at, he was in the main event uh, in a tag team match, and. Um, I can't remember who was in. I think it was. I think it was Finn Balor. Right before Finn Balor went up to the main roster, not too long before that. But he was very entertaining in that match. And um, I, you know, the whole constable thing didn't really work for me. But now that he's transitioned out of that to where. He's got this unique entrance where he's introduced Kurt Angle in his last match, and he's um, Philadelphia's favorite son or what Montreal's favorite son. Right. <laughs> I'm liking that, and uh, I think that they might feed him to Rollins. That, that could be an idea in the meantime. And um, it, it, would, it would be entertaining. Like you said, he's got a great charisma, and he, he can draw good heel heat and – you also have Lashley, who 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 could. Yeah, see, I, I would like to see. I would like to see McIntyre get the title, and have a program between him and Lashley. This would be uh, cool. That would be really cool because Lashley's just they're underutilized, and the fact that we not we didn't get Brock in Lashley is just a crime. Yeah, I think I think for that to work, you're going to have to get. McIntyre the face in that situation though because unless something happens I just don't see Lashley having the face fan support that you're going to want for him to be in the main event with well, you, with, you, with in the right circumstances I can see it with him as a heel but not really as a well, baby face if Bobby's a face what you'd have to do essentially is have a situation where because they have this kind of unofficial, you know, stable between him, Corbin, and and Lashley, and there's Leo there in the mix. You'd have to have it where they're involved in some type of six man tag. Um, they lose. McIntyre blames Leo for it. Picks on Leo, abuses Leo. Lashley kind of like separates them to stop it the next week for some, for no reason, you know, Leo's got a match against, let's say Cedric Alexander and out of nowhere, McIntyre comes out, you know, hits him with the big head, button, lays out Leo Lashley confronts him, but don't come to blows because they're supposed to have mutual, uh, mutual goals for whatever reason that they're building towards. Third week, third week on Raw, they come to blows because yet again, McIntyre puts his hands on 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 Leo, just beats the mess out of Leo. Lashley defends his little buddy. They go at it. You've got a guy defending his his friend, being a good example of what you do when your friend's getting bullied. You stand up for your friend. You beat him up. You you stand up for him. That would get him some sympathy from the crowd because it's hard to draw sympathy on a guy that looks like Bobby Lashley. I mean, yeah, you got to build that up over time. You need what they need to do is if, is if you're going to do that, you need to make this stable more official than unofficial, right? And you got to you got to give them a little bit of time 
to to build that in the minds of the fans, and, and you need to give them some success in the ring as a heel trio. Yeah, because they keep to, on losing. To make them care once the breakup happens. Uh, I th- What you're suggesting is plausible. I, I, I fear that it would be hot-shotted, and thus it would kind of fall flat. Mm-hmm. But if they gave it time to marinate and, and – I know that's not easy to do now when you've got a, a, a network special pay-per-view every month and three hours of TV to fill, but you've got to be patient to tell good stories. Yes. And the one wild card on Raw is somebody who wasn't on either show this week, but it's somebody who was in Montreal but didn't show. He wasn't on TV because he was sick. With Finn Balor now with the IC title on SmackDown, I think Samoa Joe's moving to Raw. He's got to. I mean, you can't have both mid titles on on one. Uh, he's the U.S. champion, and I think I think he was in Montreal because he's moving back to Raw. So you can throw him in the main event anytime, and and he's going to produce. He's oh yeah, he's on my my short list of favorites. That's up to four or five. Yeah, uh, same here. I first you know, I, every time I hear that music, I start chanting Joe, Joe. <laughs> it's like I, I love his music. It's just so simple, and it it fits him so well. Yes, it fits his strut, his look, the intensity of the whole nine. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, cool. So let's take just like one one minute here. What do what do you think? they're going to do with Ricochet and Black? Are they going to keep them together? Are they going to actually make some single stars now? Because they are obviously one of the hot pieces that they wanted to bring up from NXT. Showcased them all over WrestleMania weekend and a couple of weeks beforehand. Now that they decide to keep them both in the same brand, what? which I think they should split them up personally, but what do you do with these two rising stars? I agree. They need to split them up probably sooner rather than later. I think you're going to start to see diminishing returns on them as a tag team. If you haven't already, I think each of them has kind of a distinct entrance, Alistair black, especially. Mm-hmm. And when you're combining them, that's I, I'm worn out watching their entrances because Ricochet takes a while to get to the ring, yes, looking around once he comes out and, and pulls a couple times and, and, and Alistair black has that, Entrance and um, I, unless you want to change that, and they're just it's kind of they're square pegs and, and trying to fit them together in a round hole. And it worked short term better than I thought it would to introduce them to the mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. But I think you need you need to split them up now. At least I would um, give some of these tag teams a chance to shine instead of trying to force them into the tag team scene, especially now that you've switched your rosters up a bit, you know, seeing Ricochet bounce around with Samoa Joe would be pretty fun. Uh, yeah. Seeing Alex, Alistair Black uh, go up against uh, some of these guys would be fun. So yeah, I do Friday. Have to, uh, they don't have to, they, they don't have to, you know, do a, they don't have to turn on one another or anything. Just, yeah, just put them up, put them in singles matches next week. Right. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So we, we've shaken up a bit here. So Sami Zayn. 
<laughs> made his return after many months with the uh, shoulder surgery, I think it was, and had an impromptu match uh, with the Intercontinental Champion, Finn Balor, who pretty much made it known that he was going to SmackDown as he came out uh, in his blue uh, on, on Raw to face an open challenge from Sami Zayn and defend his Intercontinental title, which uh, he was successful in, of course. I really enjoyed this match. I've never been a f- big fan of Sami Zayn's uh, character, so to speak, but I've always enjoyed watching him in the ring. Uh, uh, El Generico is probably my, and I'm, I'm a big El Generico mark, so I loved him as El Generico, and everything after that has just failed to entertain me as well as El Generico did. So that's probably why I'm down on Sammy's current character. But he comes out there, has a great match after being on the show for so long, and then gets on the mic and just does, you know, <laughs> he does what every good heel needs to do to get heat and goes right after the fans. Like, it was, uh, it was a thing of beauty. I cannot tell you how much – well, first of all um, – I wasn't really watching when he was El Generico and I know I could probably go on YouTube and see some of that stuff. And I, I probably will eventually. Um, but I, he's not been my favorite, but I've always respected his in-ring work. Mm-hmm. When him and Kevin Owens are on in their little interplay, that's always been entertaining to me as well. Definitely. I've never enjoyed him more than I did in that post-match. And, and, and then, again, when he did the moment of bliss the other night, mm-hmm. um, I was I was looking forward to seeing him again. When he lost to Balor, I was like, what are they doing? Then he gets on the mic and runs down the fans, and then he adds, see you in hell. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, wow. You know? <laughs> You just do and he said it again on Moment of Bliss. And that is just so simple and it's it's hill gold. It is. Um I hope they know what they're doing with him because I, I, I really enjoyed that. If they wrote a promo like that, like it was classic. You I know, felt like textbook heel promo. You get I felt the like they were letting. I felt like they were letting Sammy be Sammy. Yes, that that he wasn't doing something that some writer in the back wrote every word of. I felt like it, that felt like something that came from him, and that he had a whole lot of input in, if not a hundred percent input. Oh, and yeah. that's why it worked so well with me. I think, and uh, I hope we see more of that. It, if, if he can keep that up. The sky could, I mean, he could have a real good run here coming back from injury. So it, it reminded me of a, a nineties HBK promo where he gets in the mic and he makes the crowd feel good. They're cheering. And then boom, he turns it on them. And all of a sudden they go from cheering him to booing him and he's ripping them apart. And he's instantly got, genuine heel heat yes and that we haven't seen a promo like that in a long time it's been a while i mean um 
Yeah, just that line, just just to close out that promo and then when he did the moment of bliss, just to I mean, just the the enmity for the fans is just dripping. And that's mm-hmm. the way it should be. And you know, I, I I'm old, I'm a curmudgeon, and I miss the days <laughs> of true faces and true heels. So I really appreciated that. And um, well, when everyone's a tweener, you've got no faces and you've got no heels. You've got no, and, and if if everyone's a tweener, and who am I really supposed to care about? Who am I really supposed to? Uh, anyway, I uh, really enjoyed that. Yes, definitely. There's that was so that was just pure gold. You couldn't you couldn't watch that and say not say wow, that was something special right there. Yeah. So speaking of special, the WWE Hall of Fame is a special thing in the mind of Vince McMahon and in the minds of certain fans. Um, I have, and most of you listening don't know this, but uh, JT and I have had much heat in our private text conversations over the Hall of Fame selections because I personally don't put much value into the Hall of Fame. Because uh, it's to me, it's just uh, something in Vince's head that he made up to make him self feel good or make people feel good that he chooses to make feel good. Uh, I think real Hall of Fames have some validity. If there was a pro wrestling Hall of Fame, to me, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the NBA doesn't have its own Hall of Fame. There's a basketball Hall of Fame. You know, the NFL doesn't have their own Hall of Fame. There's a football Hall of Fame. So. If we could re, we had some little conversations here. So what me and the franchise are going to do is we're going to introduce a theory that one Bill Simmons. Uh, if you're not familiar with Bill Simmons, he is a very famous uh, podcaster slash sports journalist uh, from the Boston area for many many years. He was on ESPN and now primarily found on HBO at the Grantland a website and podcast. He helped get Jalen Rose uh, into the podcasting world, helps establish his brand there. So Bill Simmons is a very knowledgeable dude, especially on the world of basketball. And he proposed a pyramid system uh, for ranking these players within the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, wrote an entire book on it. So if you're a basketball fan as well, uh, this is definitely something you want to look into. So the franchise is going to help us apply this pyramid method to a wrestling hall of fame. Well, basically the way it worked in his book and his book's called, it's just called the book of basketball. And it came out about nine or 10 years ago. I remember 2010. I lived in either Kentucky or Ohio at the time, 2010. It sounds about right. Um, His idea of the, he, 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 along with me, agrees that the Basketball Hall of Fame is a joke in general. Um, that's not to say anything negative about the people who are Hall of Famers, of course, but just that it just doesn't work the way it's currently constructed. And I would argue, and I think you would agree, that the Hall of Fame in the WWE, it is Vince's whims. I mean, yeah. the, the, the entrance now, you can count on a few things among the entrance every year now. There seems to be some sort of faction every year, some sort of tag mm-hmm. team every year, a woman entrant every year, and such and so. And, and 
you're seeing less and less interest in the Hall of Fame presentations now, especially but, but because it has gotten so predictable on the one hand. Right. And you've got people like Ring of Honor and New Japan coming in and running all these different shows in the same city. And that's smart business for them because you've got all these wrestling fans in one place. So the WWE is uh, still doing their thing. And, you know, what if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess, from their end. Mm-hmm. And it is whatever events wants it to be. But from a wrestling fan's perspective, it does get frustrating. So what Bill Simmons did in his book was – he had this pyramid idea on the pyramid and you don't get kicked out of the hall of fame, but each level of the pyramid only, you can only have so many people in that. So if you, if you've got a full allotment of people in the top level, let's call that level one or level five. Let's, or call, let's call, let's call it the, let's call it the goat level. The, the gold, the, platinum, the diamond, the, the upper echelon, the top tier, yes, the Mount Rushmore, I guess you could say. Yes. There's only four spots on Mount Rushmore. We could, we could, we don't have to limit it to four. Just in my, my own idea, maybe eight. Okay. One on, on that, you got to move down to level two. And then somebody is going to have to move down to level three. They don't get kicked out of the Hall of Fame. But that way, and it's a way to increase debate. It's mm-hmm. a way for wrestling fans. And you have to limit this to wrestlers. I mean, you, 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 this isn't something for wrestlers and managers and contributors. You, you still have your contributors and your managers in there in the Hall of Fame. You can say they're Hall of Famers. But this is just for the, the, the people in the ring doing right. the work. Um, and it'll never happen. But it's fun to talk about, and yes. what, 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 what we're on a podcast talking. So, <laughs> and if someone know, decides to make a real pro wrestling Hall of Fame that's not Vince's whims, they could you know give us some royalties and bill a little bit for coming yeah. up with a viable idea. So you know, like Simmons, he had you know Michael Jordan. I think he had twelve in his top level, and so you know you got Jordan, Magic, Bird. I think LeBron might have been in there already, even though this was nine or ten years ago. LeBron, Bill was, LeBron wasn't on there. He had LeBron at, uh, at number 20, but again, this was 2010. Well, he'd be in there now, and I think yeah. uh, he probably has written about it since you know, on his website. So, But uh, just interesting to think about. I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of numbers you want to – if you want to talk about who would be on your top level, my top level. Yeah. Um, so – so when it comes to top levels, there's also going to have, to, and when you talk about wrestling, you're going to have to have specific criteria as far as what qualifies for someone to reach those top levels. Um, and obviously there would have to be something that would be quantifiable, you know, <clears throat> you know, we're, you know, you know, career accomplishments, uh, you know, in ring, you know, in ring performance, you know, promo performance, things of that nature that you have to value. Uh, were they able to be a heel and a face? Were they better heel, better face? Couldn't couldn't be a heel, could only be a face and vice versa. Um, so that's those are the different things that I, ha- I look at when it comes to my criteria uh, for, for Hall of Fame or upper, upper echelon, I should say, top levels. Um, for me, 
if I'm going to say, I'm not going to go eight, but I'm going to just do a Mount Rushmore as far as four people that would be on that upper, upper level for me. Um, one would have to be, even though I don't like talking about him, uh, would have to be Hulk Hogan for tr- mainly on pure impact to the business. Um, you can't deny that. I mean, yeah. we've talked, and I know the two of you have talked, I'm sure, about the mutual disdain for Hogan. I certainly share that. But you cannot have a legitimate Hall of Fame pyramid without him being on that upper level. Yeah, it's just the business is in the business without Hulk Hogan. And, and and I would add high enough in that upper level to where there's no real possibility he could ever be knocked out. No, he, he couldn't be because uh, he is, by future. Yeah, because because no one I don't foresee anyone being able to do for the business what he did. Uh, I, I I think that you could own I I think, and even if you put a WWE lens on this, which. Mm-hmm. He could be no lower than three. I think the only two people, if you put a WWE lens on this, that you could possibly put ahead of him would be Rock and Austin. I put Austin and Bruno San Martino. Bruno, okay, yeah. The Rock would be up there. And if he had stuck around in the ring longer, he certainly would have been up there. Mm-hmm. He's he's on the top level. If you if you expand it beyond four, if you have maybe eight, I think he's got to be in the, in the top eight. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't overlook the and again the old man. And I mean, Bruno's best days were definitely before I was born. But right. you can't deny that he was a draw. That you know, if you want to get Markish, he held the title for eight years and then three and a half more years or something like right. that. Something um, like that. Yeah. He, he was, he, he was the WWF for a long, long time. And, and so again, I would put Hogan ahead of him. Um, but, but Bruno has to be up there too. And, and nobody Hogan had lasted longer at the top, yes. but nobody has ever been hotter than Stone Cold Steve Austin was in 1997 through 1999, 2001, really. No yes. one's ever been as hot as he was. Um, no one's ever transformed. No, no one's ever had the pop culture, you know, people in the eighties. And I know that, that retail, the merchandise wasn't as big in the eighties as it was in the late nineties, but still people, we're walking around with Austin 316 shirts everywhere, everywhere. in the late night, yeah. everywhere. And uh, no one lit the business on fire like he did. And uh, so he's, he's got to be up there too. I think if, if Hogan, Flair and Bruno or not Hogan, Hogan, if Hogan, Austin and Bruno aren't in your, your, your upper level from a WWE perspective, then right. uh, just get out of here. Just get out of here. 
Yeah, they're, they're, those are three really big ones. Um, I, I admit Bruno often slips my mind because of how far in the past, you know, he was, you know, before you were born, way before I was born um, in the 80s. Uh, when I, and I, I can't deny his, his impact on the business and what he did for Vince McMahon Sr., I would have to, it's tough for me to look at number four because it's really close between, I, I, I have to say Flair, even though I would, my personal preference would be to put in Shawn Michaels because of the, the in-ring work and not that his in-ring work was so, so much better than, than Flair's, but when you look at, and you ask people who's, you know, what's the greatest match that, you know, this person was ever in? What's the greatest match that Bret Hart was in? What's the greatest match this guy was in? Undertaker, you know, you know, Razor Ramon. What was the greatest match of this guy? Most of the time, people mention a Shawn Michaels match. He was able to get so much out of virtually everybody. Kurt Angle, greatest match arguably against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Part even Flair's retirement match. Yeah. So many amazing matches came out of Shawn Michaels, from you know the latter match of WrestleMania ten, uh, the Iron Man match against Hart. His work as a heel, his work as a face, uh, and I think his impact on the business is often overlooked because of how hot Austin got, but without. Without Sean and him working together constantly, you know, on on the road in you know ninety four ninety five, before the Stone Cold gimmick started getting over ninety six, and the programs they worked together in between ninety six into ninety seven, I don't think Austin's Austin without Sean. Well, I'll 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 back up a little bit, you know. It was Bret Hart. I'm not going to make a case. Well, I, I could make a case that Bret Hart should be above Sean, but it's probably not a great case. And it's probably colored by the fact that I always liked Bret more than Sean. Um, Bret's the one that got Austin over. Um, Michael with, uh, with with the, uh, the, the, the submission match. Well, the submission match, the, the promos that Austin cut against Hart in the fall of 96 before – Hart came back from his little hiatus. Right. Survivor Series 96. And the whole feud that, that really went up into past WrestleMania into the, the summer before we kind of transitioned that summer into the Hart Foundation, uh, mm. USA versus Canada. And then you had Michaels getting in there. The Undertaker was in there. Um, let me just back up. I, I think Flair would be my fourth. Even as I'm sitting here talking about how 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 many people should you have on that upper level, I keep wanting to increase it, right? Because <laughs> um, there's a couple people who aren't in the in the Hall of Fame now who will be certainly uh, the Rock and the Undertaker once Definitely. once 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 the Rock can make the uh, once he's not shooting a movie and can make it, right. <laughs> or, uh, and the Undertaker certainly will be. You know, I could see, you know, if you want to make this upper level of top 10, I, I, Michaels would be on the back half of that top 10 because I think there's a couple of names. I think Flair has to be 
up there in the top five. And we cannot forget about Andre the Giant. Um, yeah, that's true. That's, he that's was the first point. Hall of Famer back in what, 1993, 1994 when they started it. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and he, him versus Hulk is still the biggest match of all time. Yeah. And I can't see anything really that will ever surpass it as far as what you remember as the biggest match of all time. He was a draw everywhere he went. He, of course, those were the territory days where you traveled around. He was the guy that was brought in. And, of course, we're not talking about in-ring work. Right. No one's trying to make the case that, that especially – Toward the the latter latter few years of his career, he couldn't do a whole lot in the ring. Yeah, we know that. That's not the point. Right. You the guy was an trying. icon. The guy was an icon, and, and not not the Shawn Michaels nickname icon. This guy no, was, he was a, icon. a virtual icon. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's got to be in the top five. I think if you're you're including if you if you want to make the top level a, a top ten, then you've got you know guys like Michaels, Hart, Rock, right. Undertaker. Undertaker's got to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Those are probably your your bottom half of your your ten with mm-hmm. uh, with Flair and Andre in your top half along with Bruno, in uh, Hogan and uh, in in Austin. Yeah. So I mean, those those are the guys, and, and I think I guess if I include all of those names, I'm I'm, I'm sitting here writing them down, counting. I, that's nine, right? If we've got a top ten, if if our if our first level is the top ten, I don't know who is that tenth guy. I think there's where the the fun gets in this debate. Mm-hmm. Who can uh, you fight as number ten? Who can you argue for? Yeah, unless I'm, I'm I, and I could be, I'm just forgetting somebody. But there's no obvious tenth guy there, and that's where the fun comes in. Because do you call someone like Triple H the tenth guy? Well, if, but if you ask do someone you older, someone? they're gonna. If you ask someone older, they're gonna say Harley Race. Well, that's that's actually the direction I would go. Um, or if you're more of a WWF guy, you could say Bob Backlund, but I would say Harley Race uh, for sure. And um, in fact, I'd be tempted to put him in there over a guy like, well, I don't know. It's hard hard to put him in, in over any of those guys. Um, but I, you can't deny what guys like Hart and Michaels meant to the WWF, and they were on top, and they were the best wrestlers in the world when they were on top and, and, and Harley race um, a little before my time as a wrestling fan, but just growing up watching him work and seeing him on the mic, hearing the respect his peers had for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to be my 10th guy ahead of guys like, Triple H. I, mm-hmm. Triple H just doesn't I – mean, he's had a great career, but he doesn't crack the upper, upper echelon. But he's he'd be on the second level for sure. Oh, definitely agree. Um, what do you think? Who's your 10th guy? Um, yeah, that is – man. It ain't easy, is it? It's not easy. It really isn't. Um, I mean, I'm looking here at – you know, if if you if you 
it takes some time to go through everyone in the legacy wing of the Hall of Fame. But if you just look at guys, if you just look at headliners of classes, you've got Piper, you've got uh, the American Dween, Dusty Wodes, which would be a solid choice. That would be a solid choice. Who is very much underrated mm-hmm. and underappreciated because of where he wrestled in the era? Um, but uh, you know, uh, I'm looking savage, savage would have to be in that debate for that last spot. You've got guys like Savage, Triple H. Um, even, would, even if, would if be in old, that debate. If you go old again, there's guys like uh, Freddie Blassie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at some point you have to and, – and this is really arbitrary for me to say, but at some point you have to have it cut off to say – Which eras? <laughs> <laughs> at least guys who are, are our age um, – you have to have a modern era. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could argue if that's the case, then Bruno gets shut out because he's from a, a – if we're talking about my lifetime, does Bruno get in? No. Harley Race would, but Bruno wouldn't. Right. But um, I don't know. You know, Did Fred Blassie have the kind of national appeal? Maybe he did. Uh, but Bruno I – mean, I've watched a lot of old classic television that had a lot of Freddie Blassie appearances on it. And he made it into an REM song, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Man on the Moon. Um, but, um, you know, you've got other guys. Terry Funk. Yeah, I was thinking would, about the Funkster, too. Would, he, he would be a solid choice. Um, a lot of people would argue, a lot of the Southern Wrestling fans would wrestle, would argue for Sting. Uh, yeah, I would not. Um, I You know, I, I would put Sting probably on the third level uh i understand you know i, I just didn't like him I, I i don't i think other people brought out the best in him guys like vader brought out the best in him mm-hmm. I, I i have more love for guys like vader than i do sting but he'd be a solid third tier kind of guy to me i agree Mick foley would be a solid debating uh, a, a second level guy to me yeah, that so the the number ten spot, it's really super hard to to look at. I would probably personally really go back and forth with it. I can't look at more modern guys and put anybody of them in there because some people would say, "Well, what about Cena or Orton?" You know, you know. I was just looking at uh, a list of guys. I was looking at people who were in the whole thing. And then I looked over and saw who they were inducted by, and I saw the name John Cena. And where do you put him? Because say what you want. No one's going to say he was ever the best in-ring guy, but he had some great matches with with a lot of people over a lot of years. And he's he's not officially retired yet, but what do you do with a guy like Cena? I I think given his staying power, it's hard not to put him on the top level. And then you have to ask who you're going to kick out. See, I, I, I could, I, 
I don't know. I just couldn't not. I couldn't put him on the top level. Okay. Um, I couldn't. I would definitely put him on the second level, and say he's flirting within that fifteen to ten debate. But I I couldn't put him on on the top level because most of the guys we've talked about on that top level, you mentioned as far as like with like Sting, like people brought the best out of Sting. When it came to Cena, people brought the best out of Cena. Um, Sean made him look like a million bucks um, on, on the pro on the the uh, the programs they had. Uh, you know, a lot of people. You know, I think Orton made him look good on multiple occasions. Um, I so. think I, Michael certainly made him look good, and but. Uh, he also made some guys look pretty good. You know, he had a pretty good match or two with Umaga even. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking that it might've been one of his better ones is him and Eddie did have uh, a really good, a really good program. Um, I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's what separates a guy like Cena from a guy like Sting. Cena was the clear top guy in the biggest company in the world for over a decade. Yeah. If you, if you want to start with 2005, when he won his first title at WrestleMania 21 and you want to go through a year or two ago, maybe, maybe go back to 2016 or whatever, when, when he finally started to take more time off and more time off, he was the undisputed top guy um, for a long time, longer than almost anyone else, really. Um, I, I certainly understand not wanting to put him in the top level, but I'm I'm not sure if I can keep him out based on the body of work. And, and then I have to ask, who am I kicking out? And it's probably going to be either Michaels or Hart, which is hard to say. My thing was his – decade on top was that and not to disparage him anyway but some a lot of a lot of it was organic but some of it also felt very very forced by Vince and he and John started to get a lot of booze and stuff because he was constantly being pushed and his championship wins became a cliche like a joke like oh Look who's coming to the match. I guess who's getting the title. Like, it, it became something that people didn't even want to see. So, while he did have a long time on top, I would only contend that six to eight of those years were really because people wanted to see him on top compared to him being put on top because he had been a proven commodity. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, mean, it's certainly an understandable opinion. You know, uh, the bottom line is he he sold a lot of tickets. He sold a lot of merchandise. Yeah. Um, Ratings have suffered for lack of John Cena uh, from time to time. And, in fact, you could argue now. They seem to be wanting to make Roman Reigns the new John Cena in that there is a sizable amount of the crowd booing him, and yet they're mm-hmm. still, 
you know, throwing him out there in the same kind of way. Um, I don't know, but that's the fun of this Hall of Fame topic. Different opinions, and it's it is subjective. And I mean, my opinion has changed a couple times in the midst of this conversation. Right. So, um, <laughs> that's like you said. That's the fun be- of it. And, and I can't believe. It. Yeah, and, and I guess because Cena's not officially retired, I didn't consider him at first. But he's he. If you have this pyramid idea where you have these levels, then when he does get inducted, you got to figure out where you're going to put him. And certainly, I don't think you could justify putting him any lower than the second tier. No, but I, I think I, I think I would have to find a place for him in a, in a, in a top tier, given how long he's been the man. To put him lower than the second tier would just be that's that's just hating on him. That's just you you you're 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 putting you're putting him there because you just don't like him. Yeah, that that that's just that's just you know you want to say Cena sucks if Cena wins objective. And again, there is subjectivity all over this. But if you're objective, then uh, I don't think you could put him any lower than that. Yeah, I I concur. He's. And, and I'm one of those. I'm a, I'm a case like I've never been a fan of John Cena's. I never liked his gimmicks. Um, I, I can't. I can't say that when he first came out, I liked him. Um, I still, to me, my favorite John Cena match was the win he had. I forget what pay per view it was. Um, I want to say either SummerSlam or Survivor Series, but he had a, a singles match against Jericho, and Jericho put him over. And it was extremely impressive. I'm like, wow, okay. He was still wearing the uh, things like the, the green trunks with the black stripe. Um, you know, this is early ruthless aggression era, but he he wrestled a heck of a match, and I was like, okay, this this nobody just beat Chris Jericho on pay per view. Okay, this is this that was right. impressive, and you know, after that, his to me, his you know. I, the doctor of thugonomics to me was walking gentrification of gimmicks uh, <laughs> because no, no, they were gonna, no Blackie was going to get over with that gimmick um, of being coming out as a rapper. Our <clears throat> truth, um, you know, PG thirteen and other rapping gimmicks that were just horrible. Um, it, it's it's tough, but he's he's up there. I mean, he he had a great run. Uh, and you can't deny that he was able to, whether whether they were cheering or booing him, you, he got a reaction no matter what. Once he got hot, he was getting reactions. You go to Chicago, and they would boo him. He'd go to Pittsburgh, and they'd cheer him. You know, <laughs> you go to New York, they'd cheer him, and he would go to what was the other time they always booed him at? Um, I think it was St. Louis. They booed him. You know, but he's he was giving reactions no matter what. The crowd wasn't quiet when Cena came out. That's they right. Making some noise. Yeah. And I mean that's what they want to hear. That's what Vince wants, right? Is a reaction. He wants to Let reaction. me throw another name at you. Let me throw another name at you. Okay. And this is probably a name that would I don't think anyone's gonna consider for the first tier, but maybe you would. I wouldn't. I'd where would you put Brock Lesnar at this point? Because here's a guy who, oh man, um, I would not. Had that. Uh, I would not put Brock first here. 
Um, I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would be hard pressed to put Brock second tier. Um, obviously, obviously has nothing to do with his ability because ability wise, he's just a freak of nature. I mean, um, you, can, you can make all the arguments you want for, uh, you know, he never, he's never on TV and he's never wrestling on TV, on, you know, like on Raw or SmackDown or anything. Uh, on this, you know, since he came back in what 2012, I guess it was. Right. But here's the thing, you know, from SummerSlam 14, I guess it was, up until a couple weeks ago, he was he dominated the world title picture. He did. I mean, he definitely did. I, I'm a Brock. I'm a Brock fan. I always have been. I was a Brock fan before he was in wrestling. Um, I, well, before professional wrestling, clearly. Uh, I've always enjoyed watching him in ring. Uh, to me, Brock fails to reach certain levels because of the fact that sometimes Brock is not entertaining. He's he's so good he can be boring because he can be so dominant. Um, he always needed the mouthpiece. He could not really get over very well without having Heyman talking for him. And his best few without Heyman guiding him was his feud with Angle, and Kurt carried those skits, especially when they were the push-ups and uh, you know the friendly competition building up for their big match. Uh, all great stuff. But like, if I think of like a, it's like what's a great Brock Lesnar promo? His feud with Eddie was 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 pretty funny. You know, when he did the mariachi band, he cut that one good promo. That was his one promo for his entire career that he cut. That was good. Um, Wrestling's entertainment. You've got to be able to to maintain a level of entertainment. And Brock, to me, just he didn't didn't have that. While masterful most of the time in the ring, um, he he didn't have it. And also, there were the times where you could tell Brock didn't care. I agree. Um, you know, fat Brock, lazy Brock. He came out there, um, you know, hit a couple moves, F five him, and he didn't. He his his work was not as good as it could have been because we all had seen how good it could be. So, those are some of the reasons why he stays level three for me, um, because he had potential to be top tier. Um, I shouldn't say that. I don't think he had the potential to be top tier because I don't think he could ever work the crowd the right way. But definitely potentially be number you know in the second tier but because of how everything played out him leaving for ufc leaving for football ufc the whole nine i think that if he would have loved it if he would have loved professional wrestling the way he, the way kern angle took to it which he he will admit he, he never has he, he's no. in it for the paycheck he, like he likes was. he likes entertainment but he doesn't and, and he it's not he it I wouldn't put him on the Goldberg level, but he doesn't love professional wrestling. He loves he, he does like entertaining, but not professional wrestling per se. Well, yeah, that's that's why I remember Goldberg because Goldberg doesn't love wrestling either. He just he likes yeah. the entertainment factor, making money. Yeah, and I would agree. You you make some great points about Brock. You know, especially since he came back, a lot of his matches were very much suplex, suplex, suplex. F five didn't give enough. Um, you know, the more I think about it, just I'd have to put Angle above him. Oh yeah, Angle was better uh, in the ring, on the mic. Um, 
but you you said another name while we're debating where people should fall. Mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero. Yes. A life and a career cut short. Sadly, yes. But when he burned bright, he burned very hot. And, Latino heat. And uh, Latino heat. And, uh, you know, I always think about WrestleMania 20 mm-hmm. and him in that match with Kurt Angle and then him coming out after Benoit. And then, you know, we could debate Benoit too if you wanted to. I, whatever. Um, yeah. But where, where, does Guerrero crack that second tier? I don't know if he could crack the second tier, but uh, man, he, he he's in the Eddie, Hall of Fame for sure. If Eddie doesn't die, he cracks the second tier. I agree with that. I agree with that. If he doesn't die, he is most there, he's there's no way he's going down. I think given WWE's desire for a Latino superstar. You could make the argument that if he had lived and stayed healthy, which were even if he lived, staying healthy was a big if given right. uh, everything his body had been through. You could argue that he could have challenged for the first tier if he would have lived and had a career for eight to ten more years near the level he was at in 2004. Yeah. Um, I, I concur. Uh, his, his, his potential – his ceiling was still not close to being being touched. I think uh, I think that we would be I think that people would be talking about him today. People don't equate Guerrero with guys like Hart and Michaels today. I would actually disagree with that. I think the, they do. You think so? I I, I I, t- I, I talk to people that I should say maybe I talk to people that do because um, I hear a lot of people who they they would put Guerrero over Michael so I disagree with them there but they definitely talk when you talk about big time matches and big time performers getting the best out of people that they're in the ring with Eddie Guerrero's name consistently comes up well and, and good for the people who 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 do say that you know. I guess because he's no longer alive, they don't talk about him as much because they can always bring they do. Um, but man, if 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 he had lived and been given a few more years, I really think he would he would have kicked some of these guys out of the top tier because he could do it all in the ring. He could tell stories. He was great on the mic when fantastic. He, when he was – and I didn't appreciate him enough. And I always I always appreciated his in-ring work. Mm-hmm. But I did not appreciate the rest of his work enough in, in WCW. Of course, he wasn't really given a chance to shine. But once he was given a chance to shine in WWE, uh, man, he was terrific. And Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I became an Eddie Guerrero of Mark – uh, while he was in WCW, when he cut the promo on Bischoff and formed the LWO, uh, because I could tell like there was there was legit there was legit heat there, there was legit animosity. He came out, he was himself. He wasn't um, 
this I don't know what they were trying to pigeonhole him into, but the character made no sense. And he he was like, you know what, Eric, I'm I'm done with this. I'm gonna be me. And he instantly got more popular. Why they couldn't run with that and they had to funnel him into the filthy animals and all other dumb crap um, made no sense. But when he got his shot in the WWF into WWE, you know, he he took the he took the baton and and ran. I can't think of another man that could have gotten China over as as a sex symbol or a believable suitor. <laughs> like, like, I'll do you one better, at least to me. This may be the if it's not the biggest accomplishment of his career, it's certainly up there. He made John Bradshaw Layfield's career. He made him, he made people care enough about JBL to despise him. And, and people have always despised that JBL gimmick ever since. But, but JBL was not the greatest work. I mean, he was, he was a work. He, he, he could work some, that clothesline was fantastic. Oh my God. Gorgeous. But, uh, man, and I wasn't even watching at the time. Mm-hmm. admittedly, but going back and, and seeing how a guy like Eddie Guerrero made JBL somebody who could be in the main event for a while and, and, and people cared enough about to despise and they yes. despise JBL. I still do. I, <laughs> like I, I really like, I didn't like JBL. But you know that, with. that that goes back to Eddie Guerrero though, because yes. before, before Eddie made JBL, they were trying to figure out what to do with JBL as a, as a singles guy mm-hmm. after the acolytes, and and people did care about the acolytes for a while, but they didn't yes. care about either Simmons or JBL individually. They did. So they were able to take a guy who basically was in no man's land as a singles, and almost immediately make him this uber hated, you know, nuclear heat heel. Oh yeah. That goes back to, to Eddie Guerrero saying, I'm going to take this guy and make him somebody. And, uh, and that's part of what it, I mean, not everyone on the top tier can say they did that very well. Right. Um, a guy like I would, you know, a guy like Hogan always made Hogan better than he made his opponents. Yes. Um, and, but, but a guy like Eddie, he fights for that top tier if he lasts longer in large part because of his influence on his opponents and, wow. and he made them better. He made so that, that he, has, made he, made, better. he made Brock better. Yeah. That has a special, I, in, in pretty much almost every sport. I just, even though I'm never been one of the little guys until it came to college athletics for me, um, I've always had a soft spot for the smaller guys because they have to do more. You know, yes. I've, I've, I've put Michael Jordan over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the best basketball player because it's harder for a 6'6 wingman to, to do what he did compared to a guy who's 7'1". You know, you, the big guys have it easier in wrestling, which is why I've always favored Michael's Hart, Flair, Guerrero, Benoit, Angle. I've always favored those guys and what they're able to accomplish despite their diminutive size, Jericho included. For them to be able to do what they've done, have especially like, and, and 
you know, it goes to me like, like with Michaels. Michaels was able to work with anybody, you know, from Taker to Hart, everybody in between, and have it look believable. Eddie had that type of, um, yeah, he had that ability where he could be with a big guy like Layfield and get people to despise him. And I legitimately still despise that character. Like, that's not even me work. I, I can't. He was a jerk to begin with from what you would hear backstage. But when he bloodied Eddie up and they had that great feud, I was like, yo, I can't stand this dude. Like, I don't want to see him on TV. You know, and then they put the title on him. I'm like, dude, this man shouldn't. Like, this is Blackjack John Bradshaw, remember? Like, this dude is not a single star. This is the dude that got knocked yeah. out by Bart Gunn in the brawl for all. Like, come on. This dude is not it. And he, JBL has a, has a career still now because of that. Like, people hear JBL talk that he owes all that to Eddie. So, no, I, and to JBL's credit, you always hear him I mean, put he, Eddie over whenever they do. He's not on TV as much as he used to, but he does and and has in the past very much put Eddie Guerrero over for for being great, and 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 that's credit to Layfield for uh, acknowledging for doing, that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where Eddie, to me, just because he got cut short, I couldn't put him in that top but you know if the imagination runs wild he definitely could have been in there who i would bump out i would probably bump out a bigger guy to be honest i would probably bump out because his personal preference and his run at the top while nuclear hot was so short would probably be i would probably have bumped out an austin just because i didn't enjoy Wow. At the top, I didn't. I didn't enjoy him. I, I'm one of those few people that did not. I preferred Stunning Steve. Oh, over I did. Stone Cold. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's make make no mistake about it. I was much more fan of Stunning Steve the wrestler than Stone Cold the wrestler. But uh, I was more fan of the ringmaster than Stone Cold. Like, I, wow. I, okay. Well, I'm I, not going to go that far. I I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like Stone Cold. I I understood the fantasy that. These guys had of you know this beer drinking, cussing, flipping the bird to their boss, you know, beating up their boss, you know, not caring. Um, at the time I was a teenager, I preferred the the more sophomoric uh, level of disrespect with uh, with the click and <laughs> and, okay. and you know and DX. Like I also and and not that I really was super offended. Uh, you know, as a Christian with the whole Austin 316 thing, sure. um, that really didn't bother me that much because I've, I've, you know, I've heard people, you know, disrespect, you know, in much worse ways. It just, it did nothing for me. And, and also he was, and also it was a heel. He, he was, he was clearly going for a heel and then somehow people were cheering it. And I'm like, I don't get why you're cheering him. Like, I don't get it at all. Right. You know, you know, we're uh, rabbit trail, but that's what we do, right? Um, yeah, we go, we go to the rabbit holes, exactly. I, I was happy to see Austin succeed as much as he did in the late 90s, but I always did prefer stunning Steve the wrestler. You know, in his feud with Hart, um, Hart was right in the arguments he made in yeah. his promos. and But it was Austin's effectiveness at being funny 
and and the and, and the, the crowds were, were changing. EC the the ECW type of crowd was becoming more prevalent. Oh the, yeah, and, and 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 so crowds were changing. The business was was in such a, a change, and um, it, it really left guys like Bret Hart in a, in a tough spot. I never, I was never a DX fan. Um, so I, I, I did like stunning Steve better as a wrestler, but I did cheer for Austin as far as one, you know, here's this guy who I wanted to see succeed so much. And now he is, even if his gimmick is different. And even if it is at Bret Hart's expense, right. It, you know, what takes me off more was Bret Hart getting pushed out at the expense of DX uh, I, I did not like that at all, and and, oh, uh, I, and I was the opposite. I, I was, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hated that, and uh, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I. <sighs> it was it was an interest. It was an interesting time, um, you know, for the business. Uh, there were there were times where because I had enjoyed when I would watch WCW. Um, or JCP very little before Austin came to WWF. He was one of the few things that I liked that they had. So for him to change up so much uh, in WWF to me was a big disappointment. Um, And obviously then I was young. I didn't fully understand how limited he was when he came back, Um, you know, from the one knee injury that kept him from being ringmaster. One thing I liked about ringmaster was he was still – he was still kind of stunning Steve. He was, his work in the ring was fantastic. He looked like the Mac technician that he was um, in WCW. I, I started to really, outside of just the character, I started to really hate Austin's matches because of how predictably boring they became for me. You know, stomping down to the ring, gets in there, he throws a bunch of punches, you know, whoever he's wrestling comes back, starts to mount some offense. All of a sudden, yeah. Austin, you know, gets him in the corner, punches him, you know, throws him down, you know, stomps him that hole in him and walks him dry. You know, it was, it got so well, a lot of that was, by, it, a lot of that was by necessity because his knees were, because his in, knees were so gone. Day. His neck, obviously, after the pile driver, never really recovered. Right. His style did have to change. But you know, before that, he, he was a fantastic – he could be a fantastic technician. He was. Um, yeah, he was a fantastic technician. Um, and I, under, I eventually understood that, you know, the injuries turned him from a technician to a brawler. Um, I just wish that they had made a little variance in, in how they um, put his matches together. Because when I was watching at, you know, 17, 18 you know, years old um, in the late 90s, and I'm – predicting every single blow oh here oh, here comes here comes the second rope elbow okay here we go here's here's an irish whip oh here comes the luthes press yep there it is there's the i can i yes yeah. i was like come on like, okay I, I need a little bit more than than super super predictable right i hear you well, let me um let, let me turn this back to modern times for a minute okay. and let me ask you a question and I just thought about this question a few minutes ago as we're talking through all this and looking and I'm looking at the list of people who are on the, the, the superstar shakeup and 
mm-hmm. kind of tying the two topics together. Uh, not really though, but let me ask you, is there anyone genuine question? Is there anyone mm-hmm. on the current roster? And okay. I'll include NXT in this. Okay. Is there anyone raw SmackDown, NXT, 205 live, whatever, who you think could one day be on the top tier of your hall of fame? Wow. Well, I've got an answer. I've got an answer, but I want to hear if you, you have an answer first. Oh man. Um, there's two. Okay. Um, one of them I like and one I can't stand, but I, I, I can't, I have to be objective. It's, it's part of who I am. Um, I'll go with the guy I like first. If he's able to impact the business the way um, pretty much his uh, his predecessor in style did, um, I think Adam Cole could if they, if they if they book him well and let him be Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole could be a big time star and become that someone in that debate. Um, closer to that right now on the roster, who I think should be already um, considered on that second level, despite how I don't like him, would be Daniel Bryanson. Okay. I'm sorry, Brian Danielson. Yeah. A.K.A. Yeah. Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan is, as much as I can stand him, great face, great heel, amazing in-ring technician, Uh, what he does is believable whether he was wrestling Kane or Kofi right those those are those are two I think obviously Cole has a whole lot of work to do but he's got he's got that it factor uh, already well Daniel Bryan's already accomplished a tremendous amount in the ring yeah I don't see it in Cole to be honest with you as much as uh as you do um when I asked this question a couple minutes ago, my answer was going to be no one. Then I thought about it for a second, and there's one individual on the current roster who is different from every other person we've talked about in the Hall of Fame tonight. Okay. And it's the only one I think has a shot at being on that top level, and that's Charlotte Flair. We haven't talked okay. about any women. We haven't talked about any women. But um, when we talk about... That's that's interesting. Okay. I think that more than anything, and, and again, I'm admittedly, you know, I'm not as much of... I, I don't follow the women as much as I do the men, to be honest with you. But it it's shown so much. Now, I, I mean, I've paid attention. And I am, I've been a fan, going back, it's been clear to me how much better she is in the ring Mm -hmm. and really on the mic than almost, you know, definitely in the ring better than anyone. Yes. And I can't say that about any of the men. None of the men stand out to me so much that they could possibly be considered. And part of this is the way they're booked. It's so much 50-50 booking now. Mm Mm-hmm. And to a degree, it's that way with the women, too. But none of the men 
Daniel Bryan is a potential second-tier Hall of Famer. I agree with that. But even with him, I, I don't see how he could possibly get into that upper echelon. And I don't see how anyone – I just don't foresee anyone else on the roster getting to that level. Mm-hmm. Charlotte's the only one because, to me at least, her star shines brighter than any of the other women, Ronda Rousey included, Becky Lynch included. That's true. I And I would say that – Charlotte headlines a couple more pay-per-views, um, continues to perform at the amazing level she's performing. I would say she would be able to be a second tier, which is the highest any woman's probably ever been dis- would be discussed. Um, and that's even going back. I think three things really hurt Charlotte having a case. Okay. One would be her name. Because we, everyone generally has a feeling that a lot of, not a lot, but a good amount of pushes that she gets are because she's a flair. Um, I believe she's also worked hard and, and earned and clearly shown ability wise that she's the best woman. But, you know, what, eight title reigns already? Uh, part of that is most people would feel part of that's due to because she's a flair. Well, they flip flop the title so. So, so much. often, right? Could um, because she won it and then she lost it. What within two and a half weeks, something yeah, like I, that. Yeah. If they like, if they flipped around the title in her father's day the way they do now, he'd be a eight, eighty-five time champion. Yeah, you know, he'd have more title reigns than Jerry Lawler had in Memphis, and right. and you know her father held the title, the NWA title, for pretty much a decade mm-hmm. with a few months here and there, sometimes a week or a two weeks here and there. But you go back and look at how long he – anyway, the, the the amount of title reigns really doesn't matter to me anymore. And Well, because, you know, like you said, they flip-flop, they watered it down. Yes. Um, the second thing that I think really um, hurt Charlotte is <sighs> – her level of competition. Um, I don't think her level of competition is, yes, it's a women's revolution, but when I think of women who are great wrestlers, Becky Lynch is not one of them. I, she's entertaining, but I don't think of her as a great wrestler. Um, I think of women like Jackie Moore. I think of, you know, um, reducing her Lundra Blaze time. I think of jazz. Um, you know, I think of Ivory as women who could really work in the ring. Um, the only one really right now that I think has a skill level um, on Charlotte's level is Oscar. The rest of them, the rest of them aren't there. You know, they're, they're simply not there. So not having anyone close to her level to have these amazing matches with, I think is a, a, is a detriment to her, which is not her fault, but it's a detriment to her as far as getting to that upper, upper level, because you need someone who can go with you, you know, Flair Happy that could go with him, right. Hart and Michaels, Austin, all had guys that could go with them. And when you're constantly carrying the matches, it, it doesn't, unfortunately, can only pull you up so far. Well, let me 
I don't know what your third point is yet, but let me speak to your first two points. Really okay. quickly. The first one, you talk about her name. I don't think you could argue that her name is what got her looked at and her name has given her preference. I mean, you get to market the daughter of Ric Flair. Who's going to say no to that? Nobody, right? nobody in the right mind, but it, she's proven it in the ring. I, you know, I don't think that you can really hold her name against her. She, she has huge shoes to fill in being Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah. And more, maybe more than any second generation wrestler I can think of, she's filled those shoes. She carries herself the way Flair did. I mean, she comes into WrestleMania on a helicopter the yeah, way he freaking did. Chopper. <laughs> Great American Bash. The the robes, the the big interests, the the fireworks, calling herself the queen. You know, right? I think that her name helps her, and that she embodies that so well i mean she she's a flair yeah she's clearly a flair and i agree with you about her level of competition you know when people want to talk about the state of women's wrestling i i mean anyone who asks me and of course it's just my opinion but i think she's so far above everyone else in the ring oscar included that the, the the distance between number one and number two is substantial. But I think that in this era where I, I can't see women's wrestling being any bigger than it is now, as far as headlining WrestleMania, right. 80,000 people in a, in a football stadium. And for her to be, and I know that that was Becky Lynch's moment, right. but Charlotte Flair was put in that match to make sure that match wasn't a train wreck and no one can convince me otherwise. I don't think anybody would try. And anyone who any, and anyone who watched it saw it. I mean, the the finish between Rousey and Lynch was botched. Yes. I mean, and if it was, and if that was intentional, the the way I mean, the way that looked, it was it was bad. But she was put in that match, Charlotte. I mean, not to win, but to make sure that match wasn't a train wreck, to make it look like a main event level match, and she fulfilled. Oh, absolutely. So I think that her superiority in in reference to the, her competition in these days when women's wrestling will never be better actually helps her rather than detracts from her being just an, just the best out of a bunch of peers. I don't think she really has any peers. And I think that's why she could contend for that upper tier if – women's wrestling continues to grow and be accepted as something that could be in the main event, which to be honest, isn't my favorite thing. And you can say about me, whatever you want to, but <laughs> as long as it is, and she's there and doing it, she's getting it done. Well, I, I would agree with you that right now I would say women's wrestling isn't where it needs to be to be the main event, but to counter myself essentially charlotte flair is women's wrestling is not agreed agree i yeah that's a statement i can agree with 100 percent. you know she is she's clearly there um she doesn't have anyone and i actually i can't even think of anyone i mean uh, to me oscar's her closest competition i can't think of anyone else on the indies right now 
that would be able to get the type, uh, bring up the level of match quality. Um, probably Blanchard would probably be the next closest one, and I don't believe she's there. Uh, on I don't think she's on Flair's level either. She would probably have a great match with her, but she's not there either. There are a lot of women out there who it's obvious they 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 are are gifted athletically, but um, I tell you, there's just a level of sloppiness in the way many of them perform that I just can't get past. And you know, Sasha Banks is the one that jumps out to me, even when they were trying to make her the champion. And there's a reason why. You know, she hasn't achieved the level she thinks she should have. It's because she can't, she can't cut it in the ring, in my opinion, as well as as she thinks she can. Um, yeah, and you Charlotte, mentioned that athleticism. The athleticism part is it's crazy because yeah. you look at Naomi; she's probably the most athletic woman on the roster. Could be, uh, and she's she's gotten better, but she's not she's not a great in-ring worker and amazingly athletic. I mean, what most women aren't doing stuff off the ropes the way she is, um, you know, and she's, she's built, she's a stud athlete. It takes but, more than athleticism though. It, but it, it takes more than athleticism. You, it, she you can't tell a story. Something. You have to have that something and be able to make things look clean. And, and I, I, Charlotte's the only one I see really doing that on a consistent basis. And yeah, she, um, she really is. She's carrying the division. Um, and, and, and much like her father, you know, the old, the old saying is that he could make a, he could wrestle a broomstick and it could be a three-star match. Right. She brings out the best. She, she, she brings her opponents up, which, you know, earlier we're talking about the shakeup and putting some of these women who are, are coming on the SmackDown in the ring with her and maybe letting them get more seasoned and better. Right. Much like her father, she is now in that spot at the top, even if she doesn't have the title where you put her in the ring with Charlotte to make sure she doesn't look like a fool. Right. Um, well, then let's let, let's let's transition. Just make sure that the last thing of the night. But let me ask you this one's last question to close things out here. Ed. Has Charlotte Flair, because we're talking about where she can be, um, if she's going to contend for that upper echelon level, that top ten level, has she gotten to a point yet then where she's like like Rick, like Sean or Brett? Is she gotten to the point where she doesn't need the title? Um, uh, the, the answer to that is both yes and no to me. Um, I think that, and we've got to couch this in, in saying that modern women's wrestling is not that old. Okay. I know that the divas championship and the WWE women's championship have been around for a while, but when we talk about as it currently is, it's not been that long. Correct. I mean, the Lundra Blaze had what three other women on the roster to defend yeah. her title against. Like, I mean, we're talking about just a handful of years now. 
where it's been the way it is now. When right. you know, when you had you had a few women on the main roster, and then you know the women's scene is dominated by people like the Bellas, mm-hmm. and then you bring in Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and Becky, and then a, more follow after them, and, and that's really when the the modern era starts, in my opinion, as far as sure. women's wrestling is concerned. Yep. So you don't have a lot to go on there, but I think in, in one sense, Charlotte has already differentiated herself enough to where she doesn't necessarily have to have the title. But I'm also a believer in the best of the best. Mm-hmm. That's what they need to be wrestling for constantly. Yeah. Um, it's only in recent years that John Cena wasn't wrestling for the title when he was considered the, you know, the upper echelon uh, Roman Reigns, they've been pushing him as the best of the best. And he's, you know, how many times did we see him in the ring with Lesnar, even when he didn't win? Right. Triple H always was around the title in his era. Constantly. The best of the best wrestle for the top prize. And to that end, I think that she should regularly be the champion or wrestling for the title. And I, I'd prefer her to be the champion. I'd actually like to see her be a long-term champion. And I was just thinking that, like, give give her a give her like a maybe not a Hogan run, but give her give her give her a Diesel run where she's she holds the title, doesn't drop it for a year. Yes. AJ Styles just had a year-long reign with the the WWE title on SmackDown. Why yeah, can't it was actually was over a year. It was like, what, 375 or something like that? Yeah, I, mean, it was, I mean, a little bit over a year. Yeah. The, the point is, she's an eight-time champion, and I don't care. Right. Some of those reigns were just a few days. I mean, her, her last reign, she beats uh, Asuka on, on, SmackDown. on SmackDown. And what, a week? Was it a, was it a week or two later? It's WrestleMania. Two, yeah, two and a half weeks later is WrestleMania. Yeah. I don't care about the number of reigns. I this goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. You know, her dad basically dominated the NWA world title picture for a decade. And then he had more short, shorter reigns after that. But I, I, I'm a fan of, and I know it, it's not as common anymore, but I would love to see her have a long-term reign. I concur. I, um, I value the long-term. I, I think about, I talk about ECW, um, if you if you ask someone who like myself who was there going to ECW shows in Philly, you know the franchise Shane Douglas was the champion and he had some great reigns. But if you talk about talk about the great champions, you talk about the guys with the long reigns, especially yeah. with that promotion. You talk about Van Dam, you talk about you talk about Shane Douglas. You're not talking about you know Sandman's two months as champion or Raven's short time as champion. Right. You talk about those guys who carried those belts and and had and established a a value in them, especially that t- I, I've never seen a television title have more clout than ECW's TV title. That title meant something. It was more important than the world title for a couple of years there. Yeah, especially after Shane dropped it and went to WCW, that world title didn't mean as much. And and I guess you know you make a great point and and. I, I guess that's why, as much as I like Bret Hart years ago, I can't consider putting him above some of those other guys because he, none of his title reigns were more than 
six months. WrestleMania, the Survivor Series in 94 was six yeah. or seven months. Michael's never had a very lengthy reign. Uh, he did have that one time. It was like a year. One or two. Tw- well, was it, was it 90. He went from WrestleMania to SummerSlam or to Survivor Series in 96. And then that, that was his longest reign was his first one. Um, and so that was like Bret Hart 94 WrestleMania okay, to Survivor yeah, Series. Yeah. But, uh, and then he went Survivor Series to Mania. Yeah. And um, I know. 97 to 98. And I know that in the mid nineties, you're, you're, it's a transition time where you're, you're getting more pay-per-views. They feel the need to, to move the title around more. And I get that, but, uh, you know, there's a, maybe again, it's, I'm older, a little bit of a curmudgeon in me. I, I want it to feel like a sport, even if I know it's not. not yeah. And just the whole jumping around, it, you know, that's kind of what turned me off in the late 90s going into the early 2000s was how much they hot potatoed titles to where I didn't care anymore. And, and you still see that today, uh, especially with some of the lesser titles that Way too often. I can't even keep up with. Um, but, you know, we talked about we, we spent a whole lot of time talking about Lex Luger. And he held the U.S. title at one point for over 500 days. Uh, so it meant something when he lost it. Right. If, if somebody loses it today, if Seth Rollins were to lose the title tomorrow, he'll wrestle for it again next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The thing is, like, with so many titles – you would think you'd be able to have longer reigns because you have so many belts to go around. Yeah. But instead they're, you know, they're because they don't, the value to that person being the champion doesn't mean as much if it's you, if it's just bouncing around for me, then it, then it becomes a participation trophy. That means yeah. very little. Yeah. And I think ultimately this comes down to there being too much television. And if not too much television, then them feeling the need to fill that television with, with constant title changes instead of telling stories right. that build to when you have that title change, it means something. Um, the title change itself should be the culmination of a story. Yes. Not the continuation of it or the, you know, just one part of a story. It should be, right. it should be a big deal. Uh, when some of the greatest stories we saw in the ring between uh, involving people we never even wanted. DiBiase, Perfect, um, Roberts, you know, guys who told great stories and didn't have the belt. Uh, eventually, every once in a while, would contend for it or come close to it. But, you know, people that saw those matches, they remember they remember those feuds. They remember those stories that those that those guys were telling. Yeah, and I think also, you know, and and I don't want to drag this on too much, but one of my pet peeves is always feeling like you have to have the same guys in those title matches. You know, we saw Lesnar reigns so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, Lesnar Rollins a whole bunch too. This is what those are what their their fourth time at it, right? And, and 
I would like to see the occasional underdog get the pay-per-view main event. And Kofi, that's something that that's one of the reasons why Kofi's story has resonated so much and why he got such a, a, a huge reaction at WrestleMania because he's not been in the spot before. Right. Um, well, I remember close. he was close with the, the fee with, um, with Orton, but they never did anything with that. Well, there, there was a time and this is probably 10 years ago now when Orton held the title. And I remember, you know, MVP was a guy who had, had turned face and, and this is a long time ago. So I'm, but it seemed for like a, a few weeks, like they were building toward a PPV main event between MVP of, and Orton. of Orton and MVP. And even if MVP would have lost, I, I thought that would have been great for him mm-hmm. because it, it's helping to create another guy who could be a main eventer. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know if a guy is going to be a main eventer unless you give him a chance to do it. And, you know, that's one, you know, that's one of the things with long-term champions that you can do, have them take the champ for 30 minutes and then fall short. But he gained respect in the eyes of the fans. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, that, that helped establish uh, Sean Benjamin. I think his most memorable match is when he came on raw and he took, you know, triple H to the limit. Everybody remembers how excellent that match was. They're like, okay, wow, this guy, Sean Benjamin, he's really for real. Yeah. Uh, and you have, like you said, having an established champion does that because I think MVP could have been main event level. I don't think Vince would have ever put the belt on him, but he could have definitely been a, a contender multiple times and had fantastic matches with whoever they would have had the belt on, whether it be Orton or, or Cena or, or, or Punk or whoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you know he necessarily should have won it or, or had a long ring with it or anything, but I just I just remember back then, and it's probably 2009-ish mm-hmm. that happened, and I remember thinking this would be a good time to do that, and then they didn't. I think they moved on to something else, and he was out of the uh, out of the picture, back into the mid card immediately, and and I just thought that was a wasted opportunity. But but back in the day, you know. WCW would occasionally use a, ca- a clash of the champions for something like that mm-hmm. to have, you know, some guy who you wouldn't normally see in a title picture, like a Rick Steiner wrestling Lex Luger for the world title right. or, uh, um, yeah, something like that. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll do some, some stuff like that with Charlotte if she ever does get the title back and have a long-term reign. Um, and, and it really, it works better with a heel champion. Of course. You have the plucky underdog. So it wouldn't be Becky Lynch doing this right now, and I'm not sure she could. Uh, Seth Rollins is a face right now, so it wouldn't be him. Um, it worked with Daniel Bryan. It worked really well. But when you yeah. have the right people in place, you can use that long-term champion to elevate several people over the course of a few months. And maybe they end up doing that with Charlotte. I guess it remains to be seen. It would be nice. It would be nice to see, and I, I definitely think it would benefit Charlotte. And if they had, if they were going to do it with the men, um, it would make sense to do it with McIntyre, because um, that would help build him and anybody else that you put it put against him. I'd be um, interested to see if he has it in him to elevate the people he's up against. I, he's got a lot of talent. I, I I hope he's given a chance to do that. To, to let's see what he can do with it. I I, I definitely agree. I agree. Well, that will wrap up today's episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, 
let us know in the comments what you think, who you think will be in your your Mount Rushmore, or at least your top 10 of upper echelon uh, wrestlers. Interesting to see how you agree uh, with me and the franchise. You've pretty much convinced me to start looking at that uh, Charlotte almost into that, that upper echelon level there. Uh, you make some great points. But as always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Geek Nation. That's at J-E-E-K-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can subscribe to Breaking Ring Rust on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, pretty much any of the podcast networks. And if you were not on one that you like to use, let us know. Hit us up on any of those social media platforms, and we will strive to make sure you can hear us on your preferred podcast network. Until then, I am your host, Rocky Mr. Magic. He is my re- our recurring guest, and who knows, maybe we'll make him a permanent part of the show. The franchise, Matt Privet, and you have been listening to Breaking Ring Rust. Until next time, get yourselves over, Marks. Oh, no!